Welcome to Supply Chain Connections, the uh, Chain.io podcast. I'm Brian Glick, Chain.io's founder and CEO. Uh, thanks for joining us back after a, a hiatus and a little bit of a rebranding of the podcast. Before before we dive in, I wanted to give a big thanks to, to Sarah and Molly from the Chain.io marketing team for resurrecting this and doing a lot of the heavy lifting to, to get the podcast back out. Uh, over the next few months and years, we'll be continuing our journey of introducing you to interesting people in the supply chain space and hearing their stories and how they're using technology to move their companies forward. We have a really exciting episode today uh, that's very timely. We're going to talk to Shay Abrahams from uh, S&P Global for, uh, and more specifically from Journal of Commerce. Shay is in, runs the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee for the TPM Conference, which is coming up uh, just after this episode releases. Uh, they've been very honored to be part of that committee this year, and I thought it was important that we highlight the hard work that they're doing uh, to move not just the event, but the industry forward. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Shay, welcome so much to the show. Thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Uh, so let's dive right in with, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, about you have a, a unique role in the in the industry here. So uh, kind of how you, what was your journey to get to, get to where you are? Yes. Um, so I am Shay Abrahams. Um, I've been at JOC now six years. Um, so my profession is technically an events organizer. So I, I graduated um, with an event management degree and I just kind of hopped around different industries, FMCG, financial markets, property, um, and ended up in uh, supply chain, logistics, maritime, um, and loved it, actually. So um, stayed now six years, um, started off organizing maritime events. I don't know if you're for uh, familiar with the Fair Play magazine that we used to have here at um, S&P Global at the time, IHS Market. Um, but we used to organize a lot of events in London um, and I worked on the TPM conference. Um, and having done events in industries that are primarily um, male, white male, middle-aged, um, always kind of felt like, you know, I didn't see a lot of people that looked like me, um, never had a manager that looked like me, actually still haven't, by the way. Um, but um, yeah, so I, I just kind of naturally fell into a role at JOC where um, I could make a difference in terms of diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, I've got we've got great leaders. And so I, I now am chairing the DEI committee. Um, and I also am a board member of one of our people resource groups, Empower. Awesome. So let, let's catch up some people who maybe don't spend as much time in ocean freight as, as you and I do. What, what is TPM and what is S&P? So S&P is, uh, well, recently became S&P. We were IHS Market, um, but we are a data-driven company. So we provide information to multiple different sectors and markets. Um, within S&P Global, we are um, we have JOC, um, so we provide insights into the logistics and transportation industry. Um, and TPM is a conference that brings together uh, shippers, carriers, um, multiple different uh, stakeholders across the supply chain. Um, and it's in Long Beach every single year. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's the event. And, and I would argue that 
in North America, it is the place to be if you are doing anything related to ocean freight. Is the the one the one thing on the calendar that you're not allowed to miss. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so within that, we we are we are both members of the uh, the DEI committee, which I'm honored to have been invited to participate in this year, which led to us meeting each other. Um, what what does the committee do? What is what is the objective there? So the idea is to um, make TPM a more diverse, equitable and inclusive um, environment as an event as a whole. Um, but also we are we understand that we have a opportunity to support the broader industry with their own DEI goals. Um, so that, that's kind of our two pillar uh, approach to the committee. Um, and we do various different activities to try and support the achievements of those goals. Um, which I'm sure we're going to dive into a bit, bit deeper. Absolutely. But uh, before we do that again, just let's, you know, there's acronyms on top of acronyms when it, yeah. when it comes to <laughs> shipping, when it comes to event planning, when it comes to tech, uh, we're all, we're all pretty guilty of it. And actually it can be a big barrier to bringing people in from a, from an inclusion standpoint is, is this kind of wall we create of these acronyms. So uh, the the DEI industry has its own set of acronyms, DEI being the biggest one of them. Um, what is the difference between diversity, equity, and inclusion? Mm-hmm. So diversity is really making, um, you're looking at a different type of groups, people of different attributes that identify in different ways. Some examples could be gender, um, race, um, ability, um your, your background, your economic background, um, there's so many age, um, you know, how the different ways that people identify themselves, um, accepting that we're all different and we all come from different places and bring unique values and, and talents to the workplace. Um, inclusion is all about the sense of belonging and feeling as if you are included. Um, is your voice heard? Do you feel valued? Are you comfortable? Are you happy? Can you be your true self? Um, and uh, equity is all about essentially fairness, recognizing that some people need more help than others. And it's okay. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the illustration where you've got um, a, a, a wall, a brick wall, and you've got three people of different heights, and therefore they all have uh, different height stools to stand on so that they all end up being the same height. And it's recognizing that some people need three blocks to look over the wall. Some people only need two blocks to look over the wall and some people only need one block to look over the wall. And that's true equity. Awesome. Um, what are some of the things that, that we're doing at TPM this year or that we've done in the past that to really help uh, further these goals? Mm-hmm. Um, So this year we have the DEI honours, which we did also last year, Um, and that kind of hits on our second pillar, which is all about supporting the industry, um, the transport and logistics industry in their DEI goals. Um, And, you know, my hope for the honours is to showcase what companies are doing. Um, Not everyone is, you know, five years, 10 years into DEI. Some companies are only just thinking about it. Um, some companies are five years in, but a lot of companies are doing some really great work. Um, and so we we ask companies to submit nominations and tell us what they're doing so we can share those best practices, share the results, the business results with the wider industry and, and, and encourage people to, to do the same. 
Um, and if I can just add another one that I'm excited about is, is some of the ideas that came from your team, Brian, in terms of making the event feel more inclusive. We have a, a wide selection of non-alcoholic beverages for the non-drinkers this year at TPM. And I'm really excited about that. Yeah, that, w- that's, uh, that was a big topic uh, when we talked to our internal DI group to help bring these ideas was, you know, that we have people with different religious backgrounds and people with, you know, the, uh, that it's sometimes very hard to participate in any industry event because there's such an alcohol-centric uh, set of behaviors once the either once the event's over or during the cocktail hours and what have you. So yeah, I'm also really excited. Uh, one of the things that I know came out of the committee was let's not just have one non-alcoholic option that's boring. So I know there's going to be uh, a couple of non-alcoholic craft cocktails available at at, at the uh, at the honors at least. So I'm also excited to try those i might at all the receptions you know that that's awesome. the plan is is it's not fair that the alcohol drinkers get to have a suite of options and non-alcoholic you know drinkers only get one or two so let, let's yeah. level out the playing field there i may end up spiking my non-alcoholic <laughs> beverage but only mine <laughs> so that's okay right um what about um one of the things that going back to the um the topic of the honors and the submissions. One of the things that I noticed this year from the inside and participating is there's a very wide range of companies that submit and probably a lot of companies that don't submit because they think they can't qualify because they're not, they don't have a department of 10 or a, you know, a a chief diversity officer or something like that. Um, can you talk a little bit about how we went about making sure that smaller companies or companies that are at the beginning of their journey can get honored as well? Mm-hmm. So, um, well, one of the big differences between this year and last year is this year we have four categories because we recognize, you know, on the point of equity, we recognize that sometimes smaller companies with smaller budgets or if companies are starting off in their journey, they might not have all the answers. They might not have all the resources. They haven't yet figured out what they should be doing for their their employees and their workforce. Um, but it's important that we recognize any effort, right, to drive this forward. Um, it's not easy. Um, it requires budget. It requires a lot of um, work from everybody within the organization, right? It's not just a top-down approach, but it's also a bottom-up approach as well. So I think recognizing those four categories and especially, you know, the smaller, medium uh, sized organizations and then having two extra categories for standout recruitment and standout retention. So irrespective of what else you're doing, right, it's not about everything. But even if you're just focusing on that recruitment or retention piece, that's worthy of recognition. Going back to kind of your journey in this, um, kind of what... What is it that gets you excited about being able to participate in things like this? I think it's, you know, my own experiences. Um, So my, so here's a fun fact. My full name is Shereya Abrahams. Beautiful name, if I do say so myself. Um, But I go by Shay. Um, And the reason for that, the way that came about was I was uh, just out of university and I was interviewing um, a tons and I was getting rejected left, right and center, you know, more for them now, you know, look at me now. But anyway, so um, and I just was really feeling discouraged. But when I look back at what I was doing, I was not being myself at all. You know, I was going in very corporate suit, like shirt, tie, you know, just not how I dress at all, because I was trying to portray myself as professional, because that was the image I had in my head. 
And then on one particular interview, I went in and um, I just was so fed up of getting rejected. And I was like, you know, what? I'm just going to be myself. I'm fed up of this. I'm, I'm, I was tired of pretending. And they said, what's your name? How do I pronounce it? And I said, it's Shreya, but call me Shay. And I, that's, that's what all my friends call me. That's what my family call me. And the minute that interviewer called me Shay, something inside me changed. I relaxed and I just, I aced that interview. I mean, I feel like before I even left the building, they asked me to, you know, asked me to take the job. So that sense of feeling myself, um, feeling as if I was included, being just who I am, started, you know, almost 10 years ago for me. Um, and so it's always been with me. And so to have the opportunity to help others, because that's essentially what we're trying to do here. We're trying to make a change for other people. It's it's very rewarding. And it's, I guess it's a bit of a selfish feeling because it makes me feel really good. Yeah, I think it's something that I reflect on when, when we're encouraging uh, any, any group, um, when we're doing events to make sure that there's diversity on the panels and people ask why or kind of, you know, you don't get people really overtly fighting it, but sometimes bristling against it a little bit. Hey, you know, I, I have these three great white guys that I wanted to have on the panel and now I'm going to have to make the panel more diverse because we have these goals and everything. And, you know, I think that, that understanding that empathy, that, there's someone in the audience who seeing somebody who has had a similar lived experience or who looks like them or who, you know, they identify with in some way is so powerful in uh, what I think of as sort of the really big picture, which is changing the industry, not just changing the event. Uh, that if we're encouraging those people with our behaviors and our actions, that that's uh, a lot more impactful than a poster on the wall. Um, so, you know, again, I just, you know, kudos to you and, and the rest of the TPM team for that. I don't, I don't have a question in there, but I, uh, I, know, I wanted to share that in our conversation yeah. here. Well, so. well, I just want to add to that. So the reality is, um, we, we always talk about, you know, it's about getting the right person for the job or the right person for the speaking opportunity. The reality is it's not person singular. There's always multiple people that can do the same job, right? Always. Mm -hmm. This is a big world with a lot of talented people. Um, so representation is, it matters. It shouldn't be that we're only seeing the same faces um, when there's so many other options, right? And it's not a case of picking diversity for diversity's sake. It's that there's real talent out there, people that, and you know, part of this is there's a responsibility on us as, and I say us as being a black woman, right? Um, as a, a diverse voice, as you like, to have confidence and courage to accept accept opportunities. And I don't know if this gets talked about enough, right? Because um, our programming team, for example, they go out to their a wide range of network and they're looking for the right person always, right? Um, and sometimes we ap approach people and they say, you know, I think my boss is, is probably better suited for this role. And it's like, don't let imposter syndrome hold you back. We're coming to you because we believe you're the right person, accept it. If we believe it, you believe it, right? And so I think that's also part of it will, to help change. Share that as a middle-aged white dude who spends a lot of time on stages, it really, what it, what, this is, I think almost the cliche amongst people who spend a lot of time in the space, but probably not for people who don't. Um, 
that thought process of I'm not qualified to do that never entered my head when I first started presenting on panels once. Like it may have been like on the steps on the way up. I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to talk about? But the idea that you would not take an opportunity because you thought you were underqualified for it is certainly something that our culture puts on certain groups of people much more than others. Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, I can I can kind of share the the other side of that one, right? Is that you know it, it almost just to validate it, right? That that is one hundred percent a disadvantage, and and the, and the more uh, as I've moved into management, you see it not just with speaking events, but also with volunteering for you know additional things at work, or for asking for a promotion, or asking for a raise. It's you know that that mentality when when you come from a place of you know, a lot of privilege, you just don't have it, right? And it is, it's, it's you know, a, a superpower or a super weakness, depending on which side of it you're on, to not be willing to just go do things that you're not qualified to do, frankly. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's why people who look like me are able to fail up so often, frankly. So... <laughs> You said it, not me. <laughs> I, that, and, you know, and that's important. That's actually an interesting thing about... Um, you know, this is my first year participating in the committee, and and as somebody who is more of an is is more of an ally, right? That it's okay sometimes for us to talk about things like this, right? And that you know, not just in the confines of the committee, but also you know, within the confines of the event, and then within the the broader industry, that you know, these things are real, and they're not. They're not a place of, you know, I'm certainly not at fault for how I was born or how I grew up any more than anyone else's, right? But, you know, it's not, should not be threatening, in my opinion, to be able to have those conversations and, you know, talk about how to be a good ally in these things as well. So, um, and I guess with that, and we didn't prep for this question, so I apologize for putting you on the spot, but, you know, what are the, what, what are some of the behaviors that you can think of that people at the event can do to help make it more inclusive like what what if i'm going to tpm and just showing up uh you know on sunday uh you know what can i do to to be helpful you know i think it's just recognizing that there are people from all walks of lives right and to approach every situation with an open mind and an open heart and um, respecting and understanding people, right? Because we don't always have the right answers. And I think that, you know, it's, if somebody, for example, just going back to the drinking culture, if someone grabs a non-alcoholic option, like don't shame them for that. Don't be like, you know, oh, so you're not drinking, hey? You're no fun, hey? Right, don't, don't shame, don't call them out for that, right? So these are these are behaviors that we automatically sometimes fall into and it's not coming from a, a bad place, but it might make someone feel a bit rubbish, right? So I think it's being mindful that we're all different and just accepting people you know, every single day, um, you know, as, as we're at the event and we're socializing and we're networking with people, be very mindful of our words because our words have a lot of power. Yeah, another thing that I think can be very intimidating at events that have a large executive presence, and, and I would say especially TPM, where there's it's a very 
frenetic environment. There's a lot of, you have people running off to all of these side meetings and you have the main sessions and you, some of us will be there for eight or nine days with tech coming in beforehand and, and the like. Uh, it's a pretty intense experience if it's new. Um, I know it, there's some opportunities. I know there's an, an orientation session uh, that happens at the beginning of the show. Um, but also I think a, a thing that we can think about for those of us who are veterans of the show is when you see people who maybe, you know, you hear that it's their first time, you know, uh, mention some of the things that go on outside of the event that might be interesting to find or invite someone along, right? I know theoretically all of the, all of the after hours events have guest lists and they're usually pretty loose if you're trying to, to include someone who may not have been included because they're not in the, the in crowd of a certain, you know, group or at a certain executive level. So I think there's a real opportunity for everyone who's going to the show, who is a show veteran to, uh, you know, just make a little bit of an effort to make it a more welcoming space to people who haven't been, uh, you know, where, where my story doesn't start with, well, in the eighties, this is how we did it. Right. <laughs> Which there's still a lot of that that goes on at Long Beach. So, um, what else? Um, what else are you uh, you guys working on uh, with the committee for say future years or kind of what are, what are some of the big targets? You know, I think it is just recognizing that there's new waves of generations entering into industries, and they have their own demands, frankly, um, and requirements. You know, I I speak to some young people through um, our Empower uh, PRG and, and interns and. I'm telling you, I've spoken with people that say I'm not working for a company that doesn't have, you know, diversity on its board, like outright. I'm just it's, and it's it's in the forefront of their mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not working in a team where I'm the only person that looks like me. Um, and so recognizing that the demands are coming from the, the future generations and therefore we need to we need to act on that. We need to make sure that they feel comfortable. Um, we need to stay with the times. So. It's it's constantly being aware of what our um, attendees need. You know, I think access is also a really important focus for me. There's people with all different access requirements. And sometimes I have friends that go to events and, um, you know, they ha- they're visually impaired or they, they have hearing difficulties and they just deal with it because it's something that they deal with on their day-to-day lives, right? So when they go to an event, they just take it upon themselves to handle it and they don't voice it to the organizers and say can I have this to help me or that to help me um and so I think I want to make sure that when people come to our events that we're aware of any requirements that they have or any way that we can assist them and make their experience the best experience that they can have um you know we we spend a lot of time um a lot of us spend a lot of time with our colleagues and co-workers and peers and you want to make sure people are comfortable um and not struggling so yeah, that, those are some of the my, you know, at the forefront of my mind to make the event feel more inclusive to people. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I think um, if people have to ask, you're not doing, you're, you're not, you, you have an opportunity to go further, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, I think there, there's things we talked about, uh, you know, as far as things like creating quiet spaces for people who need who need to uh, to decompress from the, the intensity of the show where we don't have any statistics that there's even a single person who needs that uh, when we decided to do it. But the idea that 
if you create that space and you publicize it and we talk about it, maybe somebody who was not going to register will register next year because they hear that 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 that's available, right? Or you know, same thing. We go go back to the alcohol thing, not to not to beat a dead horse with that, but hopefully next year people hear that and maybe come back to the show who who would not have registered because they felt uncomfortable with those things. So, you know, being out there and, and doing things like this podcast, I think are important where we can talk about this stuff and get it out in the open so that so that it does feel like a more welcoming environment. And so the whole industry feels more welcoming. Uh, yeah. Which, and which I, gets me I, excited. Yeah. And I'm looking at, you know, also making sure that attendees have the opportunity to tell us what they need right? On an individual basis, what do you need? Um, how can I help? Right? That's an important question. It's not leading. It doesn't go in any particular area. Um, and I think that it's important for us to understand these requirements from our, our audience as, as it grows um, and as it changes. I think it's really important that we remain um, open and accommodating um, for people, because yes, we're all doing a job. Yes, we're all in the industry, but we're human beings. We have needs. <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that's a there, big thing. There was me. a time in this industry, which I think has passed, where admitting that you were a human being would have been a sign of weakness. <laughs> I certainly, when I joined this industry, admitting that you were human and that you needed to eat and sleep and take a break every once in a while would have been considered that's like literally if you said that out loud they said okay we'll take that person out of the executive track um so i think we've come a long way since then oh yeah uh, <laughs> hopefully <laughs> uh you know and it also gets to that generational comment that you made about you know just a, a younger generation coming in i got i got i'll just share that i got really frustrated yesterday uh, i was at um uh, a small event with a, a group of you know uh, a small group of senior people um you know, kind of for a lunch yesterday, and they were talking about global economics and productivity and things. And they, they said, well, it's going to be a big drop in productivity because this younger generation doesn't want to work. And I almost lost it in the room. So the person was probably, I didn't really know the guy, but let's say he was in his 50s. And I just wanted to like, just start screaming do you not remember the early 90s when everyone said that Gen X was lazy and all they wanted to do was wear flannel, flannel and listen to grunge music and nobody was going to do any work and we were going to be the last, least productive generation in history? Uh, and do we not remember in the 1960s when the world, when the, the World War II generation was saying that about all the hippies? I mean, these patterns are, are very, very simple. And I think we all have to be aware that anyone 20 years younger than you just looks lazy because they haven't had your experience yet. Uh, but that that's not the case. Uh, so again, rant, rant over, but, uh, <laughs> I think, I think it, it, it is a, a very prevalent thing in our industry with people jetting, jetting around the world and everything that this idea that whoever's working the loudest or the biggest is working the, the most productively, uh, is certainly a thing that's shifting between generations. So. Yeah. Smarter, not harder. <laughs> Smarter, not harder. Uh, should be the, the theme of TPM Tech, at least, right? <laughs> so, um, what are you seeing that 
you know, in, in the submissions that we get, or just from, from your experience, what are some of the things that you think that we can celebrate or that, that we are going to celebrate at the show that the companies are doing well? You know, I think that companies, we're seeing more companies um, being transparent about data and metrics. And I think we saw that actually, you know, during the pandemic, there were pay equity reports being released, um, gender pay gap reports being released, diversity reports being released. Um, definitely not at the scale that we, we need it to be. Um, but, but you know, a start is better than a non-starter. So, um, I, but I want to see that continue to grow because, you know, even if your numbers are not great, just by being um, transparent, it shows an, another level of commitment right? If you're going to say, this is how my company is at the moment performing, right? In terms of diversity and inclusion and, and equity. Um, and those numbers don't, aren't exactly where you want them to be. It takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of commitment because if you're going to show that level of detail, you probably have a strong commitment to change it, right? Um, so uh, I'm excited to see how that grows. If it grows, I hope it does. Um, I think the other thing as well is seeing a, a broader um, engagement of, of diversity. So not just focusing on gender and race, but all the different diverse groups that there are, you know, thinking about HBUs, veterans. I mean, there's just so many different types and areas um, that people or companies are focusing, the people in those companies are focusing on. Um, and, and it's encouraging because it means that we really are thinking about inclusion as a holistic viewpoint, not just our own biases, right? Yeah, no, absolutely, and that's that's a that's a big topic for us, but probably a uh, longer topic for another day. As we're we're kind of getting up on time here, so um, kind of let where can people get in touch with you? Uh, how can they engage with you at the show? What's 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 the best way to to reach out or hear about what you're doing? So I'm on LinkedIn, so Shay Abrahams. Um, just send me a message, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's the fastest and quickest way to get hold of me. Um, and at the event, um, you'll probably find me at the TPM Cafe, um, where you, I'm sure you'll be coming to have lots of your meetings. So I'll be on one of the desks there. So just, I'm the girl with big curly hair. Um, so just come up to me, say hi, and, and we'll, we'll chat. We'll connect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been absolutely wonderful. And uh, looking forward to seeing you at the event. Yes, can't wait. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. Thanks so much to Shay for sharing everything about the committee and her journey and all of the hard work that's happening to make this industry more open and inclusive. Uh, if you are headed to TPM, make sure to come to check out the Chain.io booth uh, at TPM Tech, which is the, the week before. Uh, and if you're at the main show, hit me up on LinkedIn or Shay or anybody from the Chain.io team. We'll have a, a big presence at both the TPM Tech and TPM events. And stay tuned here. We have a whole slew of new episodes queued up. Uh, so you should be seeing a lot more popping up in whichever podcast stream you use. And I will talk to you next time.